ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Well, I am back. Uh, it's going to be another solo episode uh, from me. So, uh, at the bar last night for trivia, uh, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do on Wednesday. And uh, one of my buddies, Wes, uh, we were talking about horror movies. And then uh, he brings up one of my favorite like, well, series of anthology, scary, kind of tells from the crypt-like stories, and he brought up Creepshow, and we sat there for a while after trivia, and we we talked about some of our favorite stories, and when I got home, I watched Creepshow 2, because I haven't seen Creepshow 2 in a very long time, well, one also, uh, it's been at least 15 years probably close to 20 years since I've seen uh, Creepshow 1 or 2. I'm a very big fan of the whole just situation of it um, because it was it's a George Romero film, which I love <laughs> George Romero. He's, he's ridiculous. Uh, his Living Dead series uh, is probably some of my favorite zombie story. Well, no, it, it's, it's some of the best stuff. People have come up with their own versions later and things like that. Uh, there was a remake of Night of the Living Dead with uh, Tony Todd, so the guy that played Candyman, and I can't remember the red-headed lady's name, but it's an amazing remake. Probably a couple steps under the original for just how ridiculous it was. One of these episodes coming up is going to be Night of the Living Dead. I fucking love that movie. It's... I don't know it's, if it's one of the first horror movies that has a um, African-American character actually be the lead. Because it's pretty old. But um, the guy, he makes it all the way to the end. He has, He's the most reasonable out of everybody uh, that he encounters in the movie. Really cool scenes. Oh, man, he, he's fucking awesome. I want to say it's up there. If, if if that isn't the first like movie with African American character being like the hero or lead, back in times where that wouldn't have really been that feasible. But yeah, no, it's great. And so Night of Living Dead's coming up soon. So be excited for that. But Creep Show. So George Romero, um, he directed it, and the the person that did the screenplay for both is one of my favorite near and dear to my heart. It's Stephen King. So Stephen King is um, hands down uh, my favorite author. Read almost all of his books. Um, his genre, it's it's horror. Everything has a an undertone of horror to it. But there's a lot of sci-fi and spiritual kind of stuff. And he makes um, not scary stuff too. Like Green Mile's not scary. Still a little bit spiritual and stuff like that but uh an amazing author um it is i mean everyone loves it now <laughs> and you know they had a move a tv version of it which i still still quote just about every week i i yell out beep beep uh when he was making fun of richie but yeah stephen king's fucking awesome and uh a couple of the stories that he had for creep show one and two they were um, originally short stories that he did. So when he started, um, even before he created Carrie, because Carrie was his first story, he worked on The Dark Tower, uh, the first one, The Gunslinger-ish, a little before Carrie, but Carrie was the first novel that he came out with. Uh, he, he did tons of, of short stories for um, Playboy. <laughs> Playboy was one of them, and um, uh, tons of magazines back in the day. So they actually used a couple of his short stories that they probably thought were pretty amazing, and they added it to Creep Show One and Two. Uh, honestly, one of my favorites is uh, uh, was it the lonely, the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill. One of my favorite stories that actually has Stephen King. He he plays he acts in that episode. Um, very sad story. But with Stephen King um, short stories and novels, uh, he really doesn't give that much shit about his uh, main characters. Especially, I don't know, it just feels 
his short stories feel very unfair. And a lot of the characters are pretty normal people and things just happen to them and they can't help the situation and they, they die. Um, some of them are bad people. Uh, ooh, what, two, three of the stories, they're terrible people and they go down. But then there's some that they didn't really deserve it. But that's Stephen King for you. It's it's He's pretty realistic about everything. Bad things happen to good people all the time in our world and you just have to... <laughs> make do with it. So, uh, realizing that um, I wasn't going to split this up into two episodes, because that's a bit silly for Creepshow 1 and 2, because 2, um, watching it again, uh, it wasn't as many epi- uh, short stories. Creepshow 1 has five. Uh, 2 has three stories. It's weird. And it's not longer either. It's 30 minutes shorter than the first Creepshow. Uh, it's really weird. But So I decided to just combine them all. And uh, I could easily get through Creepshow 2. Because, honestly, The Raft is probably the best story out of it. Uh, the Chief Woodenhead's pretty good, too. And the other one was poop. The Hitchhiker's poop. It's funny, but it's not that good. So, I am going to start... I might as well start from the beginning, honestly. So, Creepshow 1. Uh, this bad boy came out in 1982. It's old. But, you know, not crazy old. The coolest part about... The first creep show. I know in the second one they kind of do it too, but the first one does it way, way more. Um, there are m- moments in all of the short stories where they make it look like a comic book. Uh, there are panels, uh, especially when people get on phone calls. It it splits up, and it oh, it looks amazing. Um, backdrops go animated, and it 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 looks fucking awesome. If you haven't seen Creep Show. Or Reddit. Uh, they made an adaptation for the first movie in the comic book form. Uh, they're fucking amazing. You get out there and, and buy it and watch it, read it. So, before I get on to the movie, the um, adaptation, the comic book that they made for it, the art was made by Bernie Wrightson. An amazing, amazing guy. Uh, he was the creator of Swamp Thing. And I want to say he worked on... A couple of other uh, horror things. I remember there were some really amazing um, pictures of of Frankenstein that he worked on back in the day. I actually met him at Comic-Con, what, three years ago? Three or four years ago. And he was drawing a picture of Swamp Thing versus Batman. (laughs) Uh, He was in Artist Alley, just working on it quietly. I didn't realize it was Bernie Wrightson. And so I walk up to him and I'm watching him draw it and he sits up and looks at me, smiles, and he's like, you like the picture? And I was like, yeah, it's amazing. Batman is one of my favorite characters. And Mr. Wrightson looks at the picture, and he's like, you can have it, man. And so he finishes it up, and he signs the bad boy, and he gives it to me. So I still have that picture. I need to frame it and put it up. So it's in my tube I have tons of tubes. Every year when I go to Comic-Con, I grab like way too much art for the walls of my house. <laughs> but yeah, Bernie Wrightson's an amazing, amazing guy. Uh, he passed away, I want to say, a little after that Comic-Con. Because uh, the year after, there was a panel of all these artists and they came together to talk about Bernie Wrightson. And I didn't realize that he passed. Uh, pretty sad shit. So... Get out there, read some Swamp Thing and other stuff. He, Bernie writes in his art, uh, is very graphic and real and uh, scary shit. He, it, it, it's wild how he can draw things and make you very uncomfortable. <laughs> but that works with the whole 50s pulp comics, that kind of situation. It just works so well. And in this, the Creepshow comic book that I got, um, it's pretty scary looking, some of the stuff in here. It's it's great. So, the first creep show, let me see, uh, had five short stories and then one overarching story of uh, a kid gets the comic book creep show. So, in this world, is actually a real comic book. And the dad is an asshole about it. And he's like, comic books are terrible and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm a bad person. And he slaps the kid. Fun fact, the kid that is in the first Creep Show is uh, Stephen King's son, Joe 
Joe Hill? Is the name he goes by because he doesn't want to have King in his last name when he makes books because he doesn't want people just to buy it just because, you know, he's Joe King. So, Joe Hill. And so, um, the dad throws away the, the comic book and the kid's pissed off and he glances toward his window and there is a horrible looking just skeleton looking at the kid and he's like, hey, how's it going? I don't understand why this kid isn't freaked out by the skeleton, but uh, he seems to be cool about it. And the skeleton's like, hey, I'm going to tell you some stories because I'm a weird fucking thing in your window. So uh, there were five stories in the first creep show. So it was Father's Day, Lonesome Death of Jordy, Something to Tide You Over, The Crate, and They're Creeping Up on You. So in uh, the order was a little bit different in the screenplay. And so for the screenplay, they used that order for the comic book. But uh, I'll just go by... I'll go by the movie order. It's not going to bother anything. So Father's Day is the first story. Um, probably my least favorite one of all of them. Um, uh, the patriarch of this very shitty family is even shittier than them. Um, so the daughter takes care of this, I want to say he's 94-year-old uh, father. And she hates the guy. And he's a terrible, he's terrible to her and actually everybody. So, you she discovers that the dad killed her fiancé because he didn't like the guy. They were on a hunting trip and gets him accidentally shot in the woods. And so, she for real has reasons to not like this dude. So, she grabs a, I want to say it's a uh, cigarette. Uh, it's like a giant little bust where you put your cigarettes out on. Uh, pretty... A pretty good handle and so she cracks him in the head with it and kills him and so everything's pretty cool the family's happy about it and so every year they get together uh for a dinner and they kind of celebrate for father's day they talk good about the guy and so one year uh, her name is bedelia bedelia uh she goes to the grave and she's talking shit on the dad and she's drunk and she spills some whiskey onto the grave. So I was reading about this because in some stories, some Irish stories, um, spilling whiskey onto, uh, what was the name of the story? There's a story, Finnegan. Nathan Finnegan? I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, there's a story, um, this dead body gets whiskey spilled on it. And he gets up, and then they are happy. So it, it's an old school Irish thing, and I don't know if the family's Irish. I don't know if this works for it, but eh. but um, the body comes out of the the grave, and he looks horrible, um, and kills Bedelia. Ev just about every story has someone famous in it, and they're crazy young. So in Father's Day, the one guy I remembered, uh, Ed Harris. Um, he's the boyfriend or husband of one of the younger daughters. He was in Truman Show. I, I remember Apollo 13. Uh, real cool dude. He had hair. It was weird looking. I remember him being bald all the time. So, Ed Harris goes out to find Bedelia. And he falls into an open grave. Because that's what you do. And he actually... <laughs> the, the headstone falls on him. And smushes him. And so... That's another person down. So the mom of the two kids, she gets beheaded. The The dad puts her head on a plate with candles. And he goes to the kids and he's like, I finally got my, my birthday cake. My Father's Day cake. Um, it It's a bit silly. But um, there were tons of scenes of just that comic book look to it. Uh, it looked amazing, but the the story's pretty silly. Um, out of all, out of the five, um, it, it's kind of poop <laughs> looking at it now, but it it still looks amazing. Um, the second story, which I think is probably my favorite, um, the about Jordy, the uh, the lonesome death of Jordy Vell. So Stephen King, I'm gonna call him Stephen because I'm gonna forget Jordy easily. So Jordy lives. Um, he's five miles from Castle Rock. So in 
Stephen King's stories, they usually revolve around Maine. Uh, Castle Rock is another place where a lot of stupid shit goes down. I want to say Needful Things was pretty close to Castle Rock. Um, ooh, they always come back? I can't... Uh, there are a couple, but uh, there's a show out now, and it's Castle Rock, and um, I know the new season, Annie Wilkes is coming back uh, for Misery, but it's a prequel. So if you haven't seen Castle Rock, it's pretty good. So it's just a world where... All of his stories can, like, live. So, five miles from Castle Rock, lives in a podunk little farm by himself. And um, he's sitting watching wrestling, as you do, because he's a cool person. And a meteor crashes down in his front yard. So he goes out and he checks it out. And he's actually pumped when he sees the meteorite. Because he thinks he can sell it to the Department of Meteors in his head. Because he's an idiot. There's no department like that <laughs> at the uh, at the community college that he lives close to. And so he touches the meteor like a dummy would and uh, burns his two fingers on his uh, right hand. And so he's like, wow, that's, that's hot as shit. I should put some water on it and cool it off. Like, I, I don't understand his reasoning. So he pours water on it. The meteorite cracks. And so he's like, damn it, I'm not going to get any money for this. And he's kind of upset about it. So the meteor cracks open and there's this blue liquid, kind of blue-green liquid that comes out of the meteor. So he picks the meteor up and he drains out the liquid from it uh, like a dummy with no gloves on or anything like that. And he takes the two pieces and he puts it in a bucket and he goes back inside and he keeps watching TV. So his fingers are bothering him this whole time. And so while he's watching TV... Fucking fun fact, the match that was on, the wrestling match that was on, was with Bob Backlund, and uh, I can't remember the other guy he was fighting. It looked like one of the, um, with the Wild Samoans. Uh, I think they were relatives to Rikishi and The Rock. They're all part of the same thread, but I think it was one of the, the Wild Samoans. Or Crazy Samoans? I want to say it was Wild Samoans. Um... In the commentary, you could hear Vince McMahon's voice, because back in the day, his dad still owned wrestling. He was, like, in charge, and so Vince started as a commentator. And so you can hear his, like, very odd... It, it's it's so weird to hear Vince commentate and yell. Uh, but it was uh, Madison Square Garden. Um, they did a lot of matches there. See, doing this right now and talking about wrestling makes me want to do a podcast about wrestling, doing fun facts. So that might happen later. If you like wrestling, keep up with me. I, I think I'm going to do that. So... Uh, he's watching this um, match on TV, and uh, he glances at his hand, and these giant, like, pus balls appear on his hand, and he doesn't really think much of it. And a little bit more time goes by, and uh, the tips of his fingers have grass on them. And so he's a little bit worried about it, and he thinks about calling uh, the physician in town, but then he pictures in his head that uh, the doctor's probably going to want to amputate his fingers. And so he's like, well, fuck that. I don't want it. my fingers cut off. <laughs> so uh, more time goes by. And uh, this son of a bitch, his body is, like, covered. Little by little, his body is slowly getting covered by grass. And they do a pan to outside. The, the hole where he drained the meteorite is now just growing this wild grass out of it. And so, time goes by, and now his whole body is covered in grass. Well, I would say 90% covered in grass. And his house is covered. And he goes to the bathtub because I guess the the grass growing on his skin and kind of popping out of it, it, it feels terrible. And he wants to take a bath to soothe his skin. And so, his dad, uh, I guess the spirit of his dad pops up and tells him, like, Jordy... If you get into that bathtub, you are signing your death warrant right now. Do not do it. And he's like, sorry, Dad, I'm probably going to die anyway, so sorry, Chief. He hops in the bathtub. He feels great. Next morning, he wakes up. This man is 100% covered in grass. His voice sounds fucking terrible. Uh, it's real gravelly and pretty scary sounding. And so the whole time, he talks about uh, Veril luck. So his family apparently has terrible luck all the time. 
And so he's he he's praying to God and he says, please let me do this one thing right. Let me do this one thing right. And you see that he has a shotgun in his mouth or his furry grassy mouth and he, he kills himself. And so his TV was on. He never turned it off. And so you hear the news talk about there's going to be a lot of rain coming down soon and a lot of sun. And so in that version of Maine, uh, grass probably takes over and the whole world's just covered in green. So that story is one of my favorites. Um, pretty simple. There weren't a lot of extra people in the story to fuck it up. Stephen King. Uh, <laughs> I read a story talking about um, they wanted Stephen King to portray Jordy as Wiley Coyote, but like the story, you know, the moment where Wiley goes over the cliff when he's chasing a roadrunner and he kind of looks at the TV and he says, you know, he says, well, shit, I just realized I went over a cliff. Um, he he glances at the TV tons of times. His eyes are like slightly crossed. Uh, <laughs> they, they make him out to be a dummy and he's trying his best. And this is one of the stories I was telling you that he's trying his best. He's not a bad person. He is. He, I will say he is a dope, but Jordy didn't do anything bad to anybody. And he gets screwed over in the end. But that's what happens in anthologies like this. When it's like multiple stories, it's, you're going to die. So let me see. The next one after that was something to tide you over. So the cool thing about this short story, just about everybody in it was someone famous that I remembered. Uh, Leslie Nielsen, he's the bad guy of his story. And um, the wife, I remember her face from something, but I can't place my finger down on it. Oh, yeah, what's... Uh, she's in the original Dawn of the Dead. Uh, she's one of the... Um, she wasn't a soldier. I think she was a scientist in it. Uh, so I remember her. And then Ted Danson is the guy that she's cheating on uh, Leslie Nielsen with. And uh, Richard Gere was actually on the TV. Oh, man, it's awesome. Uh, tons of people. So Leslie Nielsen goes to Ted Danson's house. And he's like, hey, I know you're cheating on my... Uh, you know, you're cheating with my wife. Um, so I did something bad to her and I have her hidden somewhere. So you got to come with me if you want her to live. And so Ted Danson's like, no, whatever. Don't do anything to her. I love her. So he takes him out to a beach at gunpoint and buries Ted Danson up to his head at the beach. And so he says that his favorite part of the beach is when the tide comes in. Actually, he loves the beach but the smell of the tide is the worst thing. But he loves when the tide comes in. So he has placed Ted Danson's body just close enough that when the water comes in, uh, he'll have to hold his breath longer and longer to the point where he'll drown. Um, and so he puts a, uh, a TV right next to Ted Danson's face. And he you realize that he buried the wife further down the beach in the same way. And so... Uh, Ted Danson, little by little, he's trying to survive in the water as the tide's rising. And so he looks at the TV. Oh, because um, Leslie Nielsen, he's recording the whole thing. And so he tells him he's going to get revenge on him. He's like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And, you know, Leslie Nielsen's like, yeah, whatever, bitch. So later that night, Leslie Nielsen's all types of happy because he's like, you know, I, I killed him and, you know, they're gone. And they come back as low tide waterlogged zombies and they come into his house and he's shooting them and they don't go down and so um they kind of pop into the house and they scare him and at this point uh he like i guess he loses it and so he's screaming and then it turns into laughs and so they bury him out at the beach and he tells him he can hold his breath forever and so he uh his reality breaks and he's just all types of kooky and so that's how it ends. It's a really good story. Um, I want to say it was, it might have been the shortest out of all of them. Uh, and I enjoyed it. It was really fucking good. Uh, the next one, The Crate, is one of my favorites. Uh, Adrian Barbeau, she is the wife, a very annoying lady. Oh, she's terrible. <laughs> so in this story, a janitor at this college uh, finds a crate under this stairway and it says on the side that it's from a um, Arctic expedition 
um, mailed to Julie Carpenter. And so um, that's a fun fact and a nod towards The Thing. And so, because uh, John Carpenter did The Thing, and they were in the Arctic when the whole situation goes down. And so I guess they are alluding to the fact that this weird thing was out there also, <laughs> and they found it. This one professor in the janitor opened up this box that you probably shouldn't because it's all types of chain down. And a if you've ever seen Harry and the Hendersons, um, this family finds this, it's Bigfoot. They find Bigfoot out in the woods, they actually run him over, and they take him home, and he's really cute. So the face of Harry, when he gets pissed off, there's a couple scenes where he gets mad, um, it looked exactly like the face of this thing when it comes out of the box. Uh, I don't know if he's supposed to be a Yeti or uh, one of the characters says it's like a Tasmanian devil, but giant size. Uh, it's the damnedest thing. It's got razor sharp teeth and it's pretty scary. It's odd. It lives in the box and I don't think it has legs. And uh, there's some scenes where it drags itself in the box places. And But, but there's one scene where he's not in the box. But I think that's where it feels safe, and so it uses it as like a, like a trap sometimes, to hop out at people. So a couple people die after they open this box, and uh, there's one guy, uh, the professor's friend. He uh, hates his wife, Adrian Barbeau. She gets drunk all the time, at parties and stuff, and he hates her. So he drugs his friend. Uh, I want to say it was Henry. Henry drugs Charlie? Yeah, I want to say it's Charlie. Uh, he drugs Charlie and tells him, like, I'll take care of this, buddy. Don't worry. So he sets up this whole situation, writes a note to his wife, because she goes out drinking, and he tells her, like, hey, uh, Charlie apparently did some bad stuff to one of the, the girls at school, so I need you to come and help me out with this. Uh, he might have sexually assaulted her, and she's, you know, like, oh, shit, you know. And so she comes there, and she is um, looking around, and Henry is kind of losing it, kind of excited because he, he found a way to get rid of his wife, pushes her under the stairway where the box is, and uh, the Yeti comes out and fucking eats her. And so he locks up the Yeti after that, cleans up all the evidence, and Charlie wakes up later, and he tells him, like, everything's taken care of, I locked it back up, and I dumped it out into this quarry. Like, our problem's done, buddy. And so, um, Charlie's a little bit nervous that what if it gets out? And he's like, nah, man, it's not getting out. Quick pan to the quarry, the fucking Yeti. <laughs> uh, I guess the the crate that it was in gets waterlogged, and it just falcon punches its way out. And so, this legless Yeti is now just out in the world, ready to nom on people, uh, there was a little bit of difference with this um, in the comic book. In the comic, it's just down there. It doesn't, like, leave. And uh, a couple of the lines are different. The husband actually imagines that he's killing his wife multiple times in the comic. Uh, they have some scenes in the in the movie about it. But, um, yeah, he yeah he does it a lot. He, he murders <laughs> her in his head a ton. Um, this story is amazing. It's... It's that type of, you know, beast horror. It's fucking great. And that, the Yeti is fucking scary looking. Um, the last one, uh, I know tons of people. One reason I watched this without Katie is because of this last story. Um, it's about a germaphobe boss of this company. And cockroaches slowly cover his house, his apartment. And eventually murders him. Uh, they used, fun fact, over 20,000 cockroaches in this short story. Um, it's pretty fucking gross. <laughs> so I knew Katie was not not going to be a fan of this. Uh, teeth, because uh, she's had some bad um, situations with Dennis. So she has a little bit of a, not a fear of it, but she's just not a fan of it. And uh, Bugs. Bugs is not Katie's uh, jam. Uh, not really my jam, but I've seen enough cockroaches in my life to not get kind of bugged out by them. No pun intended. So, um, this boss, he's a piece of shit. Uh, up, Upson? Upton? Upton Pratt? 
Uh, really dumb name. But um, he's taken over other companies and people hate him. And, they, and a couple people call him and they're just talking shit on him. And so while this is happening, uh, there one roach pops up and he kills it with spray. And he looks away and then the roach is gone. And then there's one on his screen, one on him. And then little by little that day, that night, uh, there's power outages all in the city of New York. And, oh man, it gets bad. So every time the lights go off, more roaches appear. And he blends up like a protein shake. And you can see the pieces of cockroaches in it. Oh man, it's uh, like the particles are there. It's so fucking gross. It's so, it's like in his food, it's in his jukebox. It's terrible oh man if you don't if you don't like bugs man skip this skip that one it's fucking gross but um so he has a um panic room so towards the end bugs are everywhere it's 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 pretty scary so uh towards the end he goes into his um panic room and he uncovers his bed and he's like i'm gonna go to sleep and then you look and the bed is covered in cockroaches he freaks out, and he has a heart attack. And so at the end, his body's on the ground, and you don't see any roaches or anything. And so uh, he's still kind of, well, he's dead. He can't freak out anymore. But his body is slightly moving. And so you realize all the roaches went inside of his body. And hands down, the best scene of this movie uh, are the roaches exploding out of his body, just every orifice out of his skin. Oh, it's terrible. It's horrible. <laughs> but yeah, if you don't like bugs, don't watch this part, man. It's going to piss you off. So, um, oh, it does a quick pan to the kid. Um, so he's pissed off that his dad took his comic book. And you find out that um, he ordered a voodoo doll a long time before this. And he gets a piece of uh, one of his dad's shirts, and he is straight perforating this motherfucking doll. And the dad's like, oh, my neck. He's like, oh, ah, and he dies or whatever. And that's the end of Creep Show. Um, this movie's amazing. It put a smile on my face watching it again, because I remember this stuff. Um, my cousin, uh, he was a lot older than me, and I would spend the night uh, at his place, and we'd play video games all night. And then when nighttime hit, uh, we would watch horror movies. And so that was another connection to horror. I'll never forget. Uh, he loved Nightmare on Elm Street. And so I remember uh, Dream Warriors. That was one of his favorites. And uh, we watched that a ton. And then the, I think it's the one after Dream Warriors uh, or before it is the one where the girl is pregnant and Freddy's trying to use that baby to have a new body or something. It's a really good one too. So we watched a ton of horror, and I remember Creepshow popped up a lot with him. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah, we watched this a ton, and I had to have been 10, 11 watching Creepshow. So, uh, yeah, I watched this way too early. And also Creepshow too, because it came out a few years later. Actually, no, five years later it came out. So the year I was born. So 87. So both of these were out when I was old enough. And we watched it a ton, just like Tales from the Hood, which is going to pop up soon. It's a damn good movie. So the budget of this movie was $8 million, which is pretty high for you know that that time, I think. But um, there was a lot to it. It's a short story situation, so I know, they had to, uh, I know they had to split the money up and do different things with it. And because, um, uh, what was it, Tom Savini, um, there were a ton of amazing... Uh, artists and practical effects guys that went off to do amazing movies after this uh, helped with it, and I know they're not cheap. <laughs> uh, Tom Savini is one of my favorites. Uh, he was in From Dusk Till Dawn. Uh, he was Sex Machine. He had a double-barreled revolver on as a cod piece, so he would just shoot the vampires that popped up. Uh, amazing dude. Very funny. So, it made its money back, uh, $21 million. It actually did amazing. So um, it, it was a, a no-brainer that they were going to do it again. And so this story, George Romero and Stephen King always wanted to work together. And so they um, 
they thought this was a, just a no-brainer. They were happy that they had a chance to do this. And Stephen King has a ton of short stories. It's he He's constantly working on a novel, and then when he gets kind of stuck or he has a writer's block, he starts on his short stories. And so just about every couple years, he does... Um, like a collection of short stories, like Skeleton Crew, or uh, Everything's Eventual, and uh, Four Seasons. I think it was called Four Seasons, because that's where Act Pupil came from, in The Mist. And, uh, oh, there's another co- there's another collection. I can't remember it. Um, damn. It wasn't Cat's Eye. Was it Cat's Eye? I can't remember, but there's tons of collections that he does, and he's constantly working on books. So, um, yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, uh, check out Creepshow. Uh, it goes by pretty quick. Well, it's two hours, but it, it moves pretty fast. I enjoyed myself. And then, sadly, we get to Creepshow 2. Creepshow 2, it ain't terrible, but uh, there's like one story that ain't scary. It You can tell that it's not as... I don't know. The stories weren't as scary, but I still enjoyed them. So this came out May 1st, 1987. I was five months old. Almost exactly five months old. So I was a wee little baby. Uh, just <laughs> probably watching horror movies from my crib. So the um, I was curious. So uh, listening to the soundtrack in this movie, um, there was a ton of keyboards. And very odd keyboard, like, playing. And so I had to look it up. But the soundtrack was done by the keyboardist for the band Yes. Uh, one of my favorite songs, Roundabout. Uh, <laughs> they do. It's fucking amazing. If you haven't heard Roundabout, check it out. And uh, when I hear Roundabout, I always think about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, very good anime. Uh, very long. It started, I want to say, back in the 80s. Uh, the creator started it. And uh, he's still making the manga now to this day. But uh, it's the outro song of the first couple of seasons. They play roundabout. Uh, the creator is a big music like band buff. And so every character has a either based off a band or a musician's name. And uh, usually their looks, they're based off of somebody. They look like someone. Uh, in one of the newer seasons, one of the characters looks 90% like Prince in the way he stands and the way he moves. It's it's Prince. But I digress. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. You haven't seen it? It's great. Uh, amazing music in it, in its own right. Uh, yeah, it, it's fucking great. But, um, so, there were only three stories in this one. Uh, Old Chief Woodenhead, fucking amazing. The Raft. The best story, probably, hands down. And The Hitchhiker. Eh, it was alright. It was alright. Um, so, there were going to be five stories in this bad boy, just like the original one. But, um, I think budget and time, it just didn't work in favor. But, um, one of the stories was going to be uh, The Cat from Hell. And so, it's in, um, I think they made it a, a movie version of this at some point. But it was a short story. From Stephen King. So this hitman gets hired uh, by this old couple. And so he he's telling them a story about how there were tons more people in this like giant mansion they had. But they're all dead now. And the guy's like, well, who do you want me to kill? And he's like, well, the person that killed them all is in this room right now. And he kind of tenses up. He thinks it's one of them or something. He's like, no, it's that cat over there. And it's this black cat. And the guy's like, you fucking serious? He's like, yes. That is, the cat killed everybody. Um, he's like, I'll pay you half the money now, and you'll get the half after you confirm that this cat is dead. And he's like, oh, okay. And so he grabs the cat. Cat does nothing, just looks at him. He puts it in a bag, and he's like, okay, I'll go drown it or something, or kill it. And so he's driving off with the cat in a bag, in a passenger seat. And lo and behold, lo and fucking behold, he looks off because I guess he sees something in the road or something. He looks back at the bag. The bag is empty. Looks back toward the windshield. The cat is now in his lap. And it claws him in the face. And it's fucking his shit up in this car. 
And so, <laughs> uh, it causes him to crash his car. And so, the cat, uh, he's pinned under some shit in the car. Car flipped over. And he's trying to get to his gun. And the cat starts dodging bullets. And it gets close enough to him. Uh, the cat bites him. And he screams in pain. And the cat goes into his mouth. And burrows itself into his body. And it explodes out like a xenomorph. And then the cat comes out of his body, covered in gore, shakes himself off, and then walks back home. <laughs> and so that was the end of the short story. So it's one of my favorites, uh, short story-wise. It's fucking great. Uh, I need to check out the the live-action version of it, because I bet it's fucking stupid looking. But uh, yeah, Cat from Hell. It's, if you have a chance to read it, give it a shot. It's fucking great. And then there was another one called Pinfall. Um, I never read this one either, but apparently there's a bowling game against these two groups. And shit just hits the fan. It just becomes murderous. And so there wasn't a lot on it. I need to find a copy and actually read it. But, uh, I mean, they would have been great. I'm sad that they didn't do Cat from Hell. It would have been fucking amazing. So, uh, Old Chief Woodenhead, uh, pretty short. Um, The wife, it was um, the old couple. It looked like Wilford Brimley, but I knew it wasn't. Um, Damn it. Dorothy L'Amour is the wife. It's Martha. The de- uh, the husband, Ray. Uh, damn it. I can't remember what he's from. Let me see if I can look it up real quick. He was in... Oh, Cool Hand Luke. That's the only thing I can see. But Dorothy L'Amour, um, beautiful. Still beautiful uh, when she was old in this movie. Uh, she did the Road 2 movies with Bing Crosby and Bob Hope. Uh, some of my favorite movies of all time. Um, it was always just Road to, and then they would add a place, honestly. Um, Family Guy makes fun of it. It's like Road to Rhode Island uh, was the episode they did. Um, they broke the fourth wall. I don't know if they're the first series of movies to do that, but I know it was a weird thing back then. Um, there's a couple of scenes. I know they, it was a chase scene. I think they were in, um, not Bali. I can't remember where. They were somewhere, but, um, they're running away from these bad guys. And they actually take too many steps and they run off set and they're on another set and they stop and look around and the bad guys look around too and they're like, oh shit, we went too far. And they back up and they start running another direction. It's it's amazing. And so there are a ton of jokes directed toward the, the us, the audience. Um, amazing series of movies. If you haven't seen them, Road to movies, check them out. They're fucking amazing. So Dorothy L'Amour... And uh, George Kennedy, um, they own this like general store, and it's not doing good. And um, this chief of this um, tribe comes in. He's like, you know, thanks for your help. It's been years, but here's some trinkets that are worth a lot of money. And if we can't pay back our debt, you can keep this, and hopefully it'll help you out. And they're like, thank you. We're old and happy. So later that night, they there's a robbery. And uh, the nephew of the chief finds out that they have these treasures. And so he's going to rob them and he's going to go to Hollywood and be famous. And so they get killed. And it's very sad. So they had this giant statue of this Indian like war chief outside of their uh, store. And so <laughs> I don't know why, but the thing is alive. And so it comes in and sees that it's like parents, I guess, are dead. And so the chief is like, well, time to kick some ass. And so he systematically hunts down the bad guys. And then he scalps the uh, Indian kid. And then he comes back home with the scalp still in his hand. And he goes back outside of the general store. Um, Very sad story. Not scary at all. And so that's the big difference between Creepshow 1 and 2. A lot of these stories are not scary at all, and uh, it, it's kind of depressing. Like, these could have been great, but it it reminded me of, um, like, kind of a Twilight Zone episode. This could easily have been a Twilight Zone episode, or uh, not. it's not called Amazing Stories, I think was the name of it, or Night Gallery. It could have been in any of those movie, those shows, and it would have done great. Uh, fortunately, it's not good as a movie. <laughs> I'd have been a little depressed watching this, like, if I'd watched it live. 
But now let's get to the best story, hands down, in this movie. It's called The Raft. So um, these four teenagers drive out to this, um, I guess, lake that they always go to. And they swim out there to this raft. And they, you know, they swim out and they're getting drunk and getting high. And one of the kids sees this weird ass, it looks like an oil spill. That's what he said. And it's floating toward him. And so he kind of freaks out a little bit. And um, one of the gals gets grabbed and the thing like melts her ass. It Like whatever it touches, it peels off the skin and she gets eaten. And so they're freaking out at this point because they're like, well, what the fuck is that? And the blob is a couple of meters away. It's not leaving them alone because it knows it's more people on that raft. So the asshole jock of the group, he's like, we can outswim this thing, man. We can do this. And so he's ready to go. And the other people are like, no, we're scared. The oil blob thing goes under the raft and grabs this dude by the bottom of his feet. And so this this situation right here is probably the most graphic thing I've seen in a while. It pulls one foot through the raft while the other leg is still normal position. And so little by little, this guy starts doing a split. Then it gets to the point where the leg snaps and it is straight up and he gets pulled through. And so now he's getting melted and he's gone forever. So at this point, the uh, there's one guy and one girl left and they're freaking out on the raft. And so they fall asleep, kind of sitting up, because it can't reach them through the slits. So the girl kind of slips off, and she goes to sleep with her face down. And then she wakes up in a panic because the blob has grabbed the right side of her face and is pulling the skin off. So while it's getting, while she's getting eaten and dragged off the boat, the um, the last guy says "fuck it," and he hops in the water and he swims to shore. And he actually gets away from the blob. He makes it onto shore before it can get him. And he's sitting on the edge of the, the, you know, the shore like an idiot, yelling and making fun of the blob. The blob hops out of the water and drags his ass back in. <laughs> um, once again, this is a story of people that don't deserve it. Like, you know, they're, they're all right people, kind of assholes. But they don't deserve to get eaten by something. And it's just some unquestionable thing. Um, Stephen King does this a lot in his stories um the shorter it is the less he'll explain about the thing uh he's really good at just saying like hey this evil thing ate these people and then it got away or they stopped it or they think they stopped it or they ran off and that's it that that's novel wise he does have to explain a little bit but even in it you don't 100 percent know like what Pennywise is you know it's a being from like the beginning of time but like there's a lot of questions about it and he doesn't really get super duper deep into it about a lot of stuff but that's Stephen King for you and the unknown it's a really good fear tactic like the less you know about something it's scary man it's just there and it wants to fuck with you and you don't know why that's awesome to me so last story it's a hitchhiker um this chick is cheating on her husband uh, with this, like, gigolo. And so she's driving home. And uh, this hitchhiker, this black guy, is, like, in the... He's not in the road, but she drops her cigarette. And so she's swerving. And she hits the guy. And so he's dead. And she's like, well, nobody heard... Nobody heard or saw this. And I'm alone and it's late at night. I can get out of here. And she drives off. And so, you know, they make it seem like it's her guilt at first that's kind of taken over. And she keeps seeing the hitchhiker down the road. And one time he gets close to the window, he says, thanks for the ride. And he's bloody. And so every time she does something to his body and just keeps fucking with him. And so little by little, he is becoming more and more destroyed. Yeah, she keeps driving. She's freaking out. Uh, Stephen King pops up. He's a cameo. He's one of the truck drivers that finds the body. And, uh, yeah, Stephen King's not that good at acting, but he tries his best. But, um, towards the end, she gets, uh, she gets home and she parks in the garage and she's like, good, I got away. You know, I can finally relax. He pops up from under the car. And he's like, you know, thanks for the ride. And, uh, 
her car is still on. She can't turn it off or whatever. And she dies from smoke inhalation. And so the husband finds her the next day dead in the car. So it was all right. Um, oh, I forgot. So there's an overarching story again. So there's a kid. I want to say Billy. I want to say he's a Billy. They're always a Billy. A little white kid. Yeah, he was Billy. <laughs> so um, Billy is reading the next creep show issue. And these bullies come up and he gets this package. And so they break it and they're like, what the hell is this? And he's like, it's a Venus flytrap, like, leave it alone. And the bully stomps on it. And then uh, Billy drop kicks him in the balls and runs off. So the kids are chasing him the whole time throughout the episode. And so at the end, he takes him to this, like, weird, like, quarry place. And the bully's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. And then four more giant Venus flytraps pop out at this point, And they eat the bullies. And Billy's like, yeah, get eaten, you assholes. And so that's how it ends. So Creepshow 2, it ain't bad. It ain't bad. It ain't really that good. But I enjoyed I enjoyed two of these stories. Uh, the third one's kind of poop. So the budget was way less, like half the, the budget of the first one. So it's $3.5 And the box office, they made $14 million. Um even with the bad reviews, a lot of people said it was pretty boring and not that scary. And they said it was uh, underachieving from Stephen King and George Romero, that they could have done way better. And a lot of people were disappointed. It still made its money, so you know what I mean? But um, there were plans of making a third one, but it never came to fruition with Stephen King and George Romero. Um, another company made a third one. But uh, it didn't do good at all, and George Romero actually, like, disowned it, and he said, like, I didn't do this, this is crap, don't watch it. Um, hopefully, down the road, that they make another one. Um, it's a really good series, and now horror, is, horror has come a, a long way. CG has gotten way better, though I like practical horror. It's way easier to do stuff. Well, it's harder, because it's more money, but it's easier to make things look good. Because CG, um, a lot of people's eyes, we're spoiled to CG now. Um, and it's a shame. But, uh, yeah, no, give it a shot. Oh, they're making a creep show, um, TV show coming out soon. I think in January of next year, they're going to do uh, a show. And hopefully that keeps going and, and it actually is fucking profitable and they'll keep it going. But, um, yeah, creep show one and two. Um, I'm actually excited this worked out. Uh, I guess it's a lot easier when it's short stories. You can crack them out pretty good, though. This was an, almost an hour of me talking. But, um, yeah, I would still give it a shot. Watch 1 and 2, Creep Show. They're pretty cool. I like it a lot. But, um, ooh, seven-word synopsis. Shit. Um, let me see. Um, the Crypt Keeper would be proud. Kinda. Or, um, don't be a asshole. I'm going to do asshole as one word. Don't be a asshole or you'll die. Yeah, that's the overarching theme of this. Don't be an asshole and you won't die, honestly. Um, don't get nosy when you find shit. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Um, but yeah, no, check them out. These movies are great. But if I had to put them on the field, uh shit. See, this, this is the shitty part. This is what I get for doing a short story. Um, fuck. There's so many different bad guys. But a lot of them are like zombies. And I don't want to put a zombie on the field because they're crap. Uh, the monster in the crates. He don't got legs. Uh, he's like Lieutenant Dan. So he can't really do much except be upset. Um... The blob is just a blob in the water. It's pretty smart, but if we're not in water, it ain't going to do much. I guess you could have a little kiddie pool with the blob in it. Uh, oh, we could take old Chief. Chief Woodenhead, so the giant uh, wooden Indian statue. But he's slow, but he's uh, he takes some damage. I'll bring it up later with Katie and figure out a place for them. Um, yeah, 
there's a lot of poop monsters in, in this movie. And, you know, 20,000 cockroaches. I don't want them anywhere. So, um, yeah. I'll write a note and bring it up with Katie later. But, uh, oh, the minority kill count. So, the black hitchhiker, he goes down. That's a black dude. Um, I don't think there were any... Oh, Indian guy, uh, the nephew, he was a piece of shit. That's two. Um, shit. In the first creep show, I don't think there were any black people in it. Let me think about this real quick. Adrian Barbeau is pretty dark, but I don't think she's, I think she is still Caucasian in some way. Um, yeah. Yeah, I looked up a picture of her recently. Um, she was pretty damn dark in that movie. It kind of makes you think that she she might be black. Uh, no, Tom Savini didn't die. No? Two more. Two more are added to the list. So, we are now at, what was it, 11. Minority kill count is at 11, people. We've hit double digits. Uh, 11 compared to, you know, 5 billion... <laughs> Caucasian people have gone down in these movies that we've watched. So, uh, yeah. So, like I said, thank you for listening. Um, if you like it, like, put a like on it or share it. Uh, we're now on Spotify. Um, we got okayed to be on Spotify. The iTunes one, I put it in yesterday. I don't know how long it takes, but that's getting, um, checked and verified. So, it'll be on iTunes soon. Uh, Google Play the same, uh, Google Music, or I think it's Google Play. So Google Play is the same way. Uh, it takes a little bit of time. So after all these connections, there will be multiple ways to listen to these videos. And uh, I want to do YouTube uh, probably at the end when it's done. Um, I want to get a sweet like background picture. Probably of me and Katie on the couch with a mic and a TV on and then in the background probably all the monsters that we've um talked about in it i think that'd be really cool so we could have that picture done at the end or maybe just at least 31 just monsters in the background and i want that as the background picture and then that will be the new cover page and then i'm gonna use that and put that on youtube and so it'll still be audio i wouldn't mind doing a couple of video uh episodes too but that'll be in the background and i'll just link up the audio with it too and we'll do it like that so um yeah little by little things are coming together so i'm i'm very excited about this and every time i do this it gets easier like i said little by little i'm getting better at this and it makes me happy um i'm sleepy a lot of the time but it's fun watching crap movies again so this one was kind of impromptu uh yeah, because like I said, uh, my buddy Wes at Trivia, we were talking about Creep Show, and I remembered that I have a lot of good stories about this series too. So I think in Tuesday and Wednesdays will be just kind of throwback episodes of things in my past that that make me happy. So yeah, Creep Show. Creep Show made me happy when I was a kid because I wasn't super brave, but my cousin, uh, man, he was the shit. Like, he could beat any video game. Uh, he was the bravest dude I knew. And so we hung out a lot. I make it sound like he's dead or something. He's not dead. Eric is still alive. <laughs> it's still amazing. But, um, but yeah, we played tons of games. And I got a lot of my love of video games from him because my sisters love them. They weren't super big on video games. So I played by myself. And then I'd go to his his place and we'd play video games. And then we did that. All the time. And that in horror movies, like I said, that was our shit. That was the one thing that linked us. So, um, like I said, it's amazing that I get to do this. And I got the time for it. And the energy. So, I'm going to keep doing this until, um, I don't know, I get tired of it or bored. But I don't think I can get bored with horror movies and talking about it. So, like I said, I'm going to keep this going because I love it. So, thanks for listening. And uh, actually, we'll see. Uh, you'll see me way more, way faster than 24 hours. Cause uh, Thursday and Friday, I have um, 
and there's a play I got to go to, and then I'm going to a uh, football game. So I don't think I'll be able to get an episode out early, so I'm going to crack another one out tonight for uh, Thursday. I need to do another one. I need to do two more. So soon enough, um, there's going to be some episodes cracked out really fast, and they might just be me. Uh, We'll see if Katie's down to do one, but I think I'm going to try to pop another one out real quick. So, yeah, guys, it's great. Thanks for listening, and um, I think that's it, what I usually do. Yeah, I'll see you guys next time. I love you. Okay, bye-bye. Oh, go watch uh, Human Centipede. It's great. I'm going to keep saying this. It's kind of my tagline at the end. But bye, guys. I love you. Bye.